Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome Mark Orlovsky to the podcast. Welcome, Mark. Welcome, James. Great to be here. Uh, nice to have the opportunity to talk to you today. Well, thank you for taking the time. It's that time of the year where we're really going to look at, you know, in most areas, switching over our HVAC systems. We're going to go from cooling to heating. And with that, you know, generally some people have problems with that transition. Either things don't run or, you know, case of me last year, you know, there was a spider nest or web or something in one of the uh, pilot lights or, you know, one of the airflow airflow tubes. So therefore I couldn't start my furnace. We're going to have all those different types of issues coming up. So I wanted to talk to you today about how do we make that a smooth transition? But before we dive into that, can you give us a quick background to yourself? You work at Modine, um, you're involved in HVAC for an extended period of time, but give us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Mark Olowski. Um, I'm quality warranty and service at Modine Manufacturing Company. And so anything pretty much related to aftermarket uh, support is what uh, myself and, and our team uh, does. Um, been uh, involved with HVAC for about 20 years. I've had uh, two years with uh, sort of pre-sales and application engineering experience. Um, and then the last 18 years, I've been in various roles of aftermarket, you know, parts, spares, uh, service and support. All right, excellent. So just to make sure everyone is on the same page, what is an HVAC system? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, HVAC is, really stands for heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. It can be as simple as maybe like a garage heater that's out there or something that's a little bit more complicated, like your home heating and air conditioning system, all the way up to very complicated end-to-end solutions like a rooftop unit um, that would handle all those functions, dehumidification, uh, ventilation, um, which would serve, you know, some sort of a building, uh, you know, greenhouse, business of some kind or a school um, or units now that serve classrooms that really handle all of these functions together for the classroom. The other thing I would say is that the uh, system would include um, anything that uh, helps move the conditioned air into the space. So I would also include venting and the ductwork in that in that overall system. Okay, perfect. Now, you know, in my experience with HVAC systems, you know, it's probably pretty simplistic, I'll say. Change the filters, change the belts, and that's it. You know, that's the typical maintenance routine I see in most organizations. Is that enough to ensure that, you know, our HVAC systems are operating at optimum efficiency, doing what we need them to do, that type of thing? Um, that's a good start, but probably that's not going to be enough, especially for a more complicated system. So, you know, the maintenance that's required obviously depends upon how complicated of a system that we're talking about. 
But, you know, what you suggested, James, is exactly where I suggest that people start. And that's with the simple things. So airflow can have a pretty large impact on efficiency. And so anything that impacts airflow is something that I would be looking at, um, especially with the intent of trying to make sure that the efficiency uh, of the equipment that you purchased, it, it's actually delivering. Um, so you're right. I start out with things like filters, belt, belt tensions. Um, but the other thing that's often overlooked is cleanliness of coils. So as equipment has been designed to be more efficient, um, things like this are even more important. And you need to consider um, either the location that the equipment is in, how dirty it can get, um, and then also understand how um, critical the application is. But essentially what happens is that, you know, in order to get the efficiency, we're adding secondary coils. Uh, fin density is increasing, which means that the fins are closer together. And so that, you know, they're going to get dirty uh, more quickly and they're going to need more, more attention. And so start out with this, you know, overall inspection of the, of the product and really look to see, you know, um, the cleanliness and, um, you know, look for things like the, uh, you know, cleanliness of the coils. So the other thing that I would do would be um, operate and make sure that all moving parts are, you know, properly lubricated, making sure, you know, that dampers and linkages operate correctly. And then the other thing I would do, at least on an annual basis, is to check electrical connections to make sure that everything is tight. So those are some of the basics. All right, excellent. So, you know, you mentioned the cleanliness piece and you mentioned the environment that it's operating in as well. So, you know, changing the filters twice a year probably isn't gonna cut it if we're in a dusty, dirty environment, that type of thing, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. Um, just related to the pandemic, um, there have been recommendations to move to um, higher efficiency filters. So maybe even as high as MERV 13, depending upon the application, like maybe a classroom or a building office setting and everything. Well, clearly, I mean, the filter is going to do, you know, what they were intended to do uh, to pull out more particles. And so they are going to need attention more often than that. And, you know, believe it or not, um, you know, that is just one of the things that's so often overlooked is just these basic, uh, you know, filter cleanliness and making sure about that the equipment is, is clean. All right. Excellent. So as we adapt and change our processes, we may have to do things a little bit more frequently to ensure the efficiency, ensure smooth operation. Now, if we're doing all those basic things, what needs to be done when we're moving from a cooling to a heating season or maybe a heating season to a cooling season? Is it as simple as just, you know, switch over the, the mode, if you will, or is there a little more to it? Yeah. Um, there are some pieces of the equipment that are designed to be able to change over pretty quickly. And depending upon what part of the country you're in, you know, you can be in heating in the morning, you'll be in cooling at midday, and then back in heating in the evening. So some of the equipment will move through those modes, uh, you know, and are designed to do so. But there's other equipment that needs a lot more attention to move into, you know, um, the heating season. So one of the things I really suggest, especially now where you might have uh, fewer people in the maintenance department um, or more changeover, you know, of the maintenance personnel, um, is to document the process and then to really record, you know, and journal 
what you've learned from season to season. A lot of times people think, oh, I'll remember that, you know, when I, when I come in the spring. You don't. You don't remember it. And so anything that you can do to document that that process is going to be helpful. Um, I'm also a big believer in checklists. So, you know, that can be as simple as a, you know, a handwritten, you know, copy. Um, I suggest wherever you can to try to take pictures to document things. Um, so that's easy that you're not, you know, having to read through, you know, pages and pages of documentation. Um, but we've already talked about some of the basics. Um, a lot of that heating equipment hasn't been operated in months and months. That's obvious. Things become dirty. You made a good point in terms of uh, gas-fired equipment. Is depending upon you know where that equipment is you know applied. Um, something as simple and and you know you mentioned about having a spider's nest or or bugs or you know things like that. That's a common question into our call center. You know, and so what we say is that you know if you start by kind of looking at you know the basics and cleanliness and everything then you want to put it into the mode that you're going to be going into so either heating or cooling and then watch that piece of equipment go through an entire cycle both you know heating up and as it shuts down it satisfies that you know the the, the call for heat and then goes back through like a, a cool down um, and see where in that sequence that things stop and it gives you a good clue as to where to look. So in your case, you had a spider. Typically, that means that, you know, the flame is not going to carry over or it won't even prove a pilot. And that's a good place then to be able to look and do some of that basic troubleshooting before you really need the piece of equipment. I think that's a big point is you want to do this before you actually need it. You don't want to, you know, be trying to fire it up when it's 40 degrees outside and you actually need it. You want to run it through these cycles prior to the demand and i think that's for a couple different reasons and you know you can correct me if if i'm wrong but i think that's going to help one verify that it's ready to go so when we do need it it's available second if we need help or service we're not trying to call and get that help or service at the same time as 90 percent of the rest of the city right so we can get ahead of it a little yeah exactly yeah very very good point um and the other thing what I recommend that people do is, especially given that, you know, typically the maintenance resources are, are pretty strapped already. So, you know, what I like to suggest to people, and that's not just with HVAC equipment, but with the entire equipment in whatever building it's in, is to really go through a risk assessment of what are the most critical pieces of equipment. And then depending upon, you know, what uh, how critical that heating equipment is in, in the space or that, you know, AC equipment. Um, and that's where you spend more time. And like you said, you know, our demand obviously, you know, starts to go up as the weather gets colder. So typically, you know, October, mid-October really, you know, starts to uh, increase the number of calls and, and demand for, for service. And that goes right on through probably the end of, end of January. So anything you can do ahead of time really you know, puts you ahead of the curve. The other thing that we've recommended to people is that, you know, we've always recommended to have critical spares on site, depending upon how critical that piece of equipment is to the building operation um, or whatever process it, it, it's involved with. But this year, because there is just so much stress on the supply chain, it's important to get this stuff done early in the season and to get those spares on, on the shelf because I'm telling you, it's going to be, it's going to be tough uh, winter as far as some of the, the spare equipment goes. 
This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com yeah, that the the sparing I hear from every part of it can't get motors, can't get gearboxes, stuff that used to be a three day lead time is now a three or four week lead time. Um, so that is a, a significant challenge. So what type of spares do you typically recommend then? Is it just filters and belts, or is it you know some sensors, some motors? And yeah, um, if it's an older piece of equipment, that's pretty critical something like a motor can render the piece of equipment useless. Um, and some of the basic kinds of, uh, like in either a pilot assembly or a flame sensor, those are ones that are, you know, typical um, and, and a pressure switch. So, and then the other piece that I think that often gets um, overlooked when you have a gas-fired piece of equipment is that people uh, typically don't check gas pressure um, gas pressure is, uh, is important um, and can cause problems either if it's too low or too high. Um, if it's too low, you're not going to be delivering the BTUs to the space, the heat to the space that, that, you, that you paid for. If it's too high, that can reduce the life of the equipment. So that's another thing that, uh, that I would suggest people do up front. All right. So, you know, depending on whether you're running natural gas, propane, and so on and so forth, those pressure ratings are going to vary but that should be checked as part of that transition process, I'm guessing. Right, and at least the once a year when you start to go into you know fall heating. Okay, excellent. Now, you know, is there anything else that we overlook when we're doing this? You know, we got our filters, we got our pressure checks, we're doing a performance check. Is there other things people forget to do? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say one of the most overlooked would be cleaning of condensate drain lines to make sure that they are flowing correctly. So either AC equipment, which needs that, that condensate needs to drain out or high efficiency uh, gas fired equipment, uh, heating equipment has a condensate line. And if those are plugged, it's going to cause all kinds of issues, including it could wind up with, um, having moisture or water dripping on, on controls. So that's one that's typically overlooked. And then the other thing is the electrical connections, like I, I mentioned before. Having loose uh, or not tight electrical connections is responsible for all kinds of intermittent failures or problems, very hard to troubleshoot. So, and the other thing that I said, you know, that I, I say is kind of look at the system as a whole. So again, I've said I'm kind of a big believer in checklists. That can be as simple as a, you know, a notebook. Uh, I've seen some very good, you know, Excel spreadsheets that people put together. And there's some good basic maintenance programs can help identify, you know, some of these items that, that are typically over, overlooked. Um, and then not just the piece of equipment, but how that condition air is being delivered to the space. So ductwork, grills, vents, um, you'd be amazed in the in the you know summertime about what adjustments that people have made to equipment and vents because they didn't want that cold air blowing on them or something like that. Um, so you know people might change that you know that grill rather than asking for the temperature to be you know changed or modified. But 
Uh, recently, I, I heard a story where people in the building, you know, changed the position of the, the grills and they wound up closing them too much. So the building owner wound up having to pay for a pretty expensive troubleshooting call. And in the end, just walking around and seeing some of that stuff, he, he probably could have solved that on his own rather than have it pay for that service call. So, yeah, that's a great point. You want to check to make sure your grills are in the right position. If you have dampers, you got to make sure those are working and in the right position. All these other things to make sure we got successful transition. Now, you mentioned earlier that when we start up, we want to do a performance check of our heating system or our cooling system, depending on what season it is. So we start that up, we run it through the cycle, and is that it once we get there, or do we need to take air temperature readings? Do we need to look at anything else, or is it just run it through its cycle? Yeah, at a minimum, run it through its cycle, but um, like I said before, making sure on gas-fired equipment that the units are on rate, which means really making sure that, depending upon if it's natural gas or propane, you know, getting into the INS manual, um, and validating that that equipment is on rate and that the setting of the gas pressure is correct for that piece of equipment. Ventilation equipment, you know, you made a good point really about, you know, checking temperature rise and airflow. Um, ventilating right now is on everybody's mind again because of the pandemic. So you want to make sure that we're getting the appropriate outdoor air that you plan for. And that's not a linear relationship in, you know, regard to setting the, those dampers. So understand that, you know, uh, getting 30% outside air, 20% outside air, you know, you, you can't just change the damper to 20%. You, you know, it, it's worthwhile to do some temperature rise um, and also understanding, you know, what the, goal, what the goals are, not bringing in too much outdoor air, which is going to, you know, reduce efficiency. For cooling equipment, um, refrigerant pressures. Um, are critical for equipment that's that's being on, on spec. So, all right, excellent. So, we got lots to do to make sure this is our our equipment's ready for that transition. Now, are there any warning signs that organizations need to pay attention to either preseason during that performance check or into that transition that you know should be set it off some alarm bells? Yeah, that's another good question. Um, Watch for things like nuisance trips of a switch. If a maintenance person or somebody's having to go to a piece of equipment and having to reset a switch on a regular basis, that, that's telling you something about how that piece of equipment is operating. And we'll get a phone call that says, hey, can we get a higher you know, temperature of this or that switch so we don't have to keep resetting it? Well, you know, that's not really solving the root cause, right? So. Um, if uh, you were getting some sort of an error code um, on a controller um, or we're having to reset a switch, I would say take some time, understand root cause, and, and fix that, that root cause rather than continuing to do that. So that's one of the warning signs. The other thing I say to do is talk to the occupants. Whoever is using that, that piece of equipment or that you know are, is being served by they know what's going on with that piece of equipment. If it doesn't sound right anymore or something's different about the way it's heating or cooling, that can give you a lot of good information about, you know, sort of what is the next step that I want to take a look at before uh, I'm in the middle of the, the heating season, you know, at, you know, very cold temperatures and I'm, I'm not able to keep up with the, with the demand. All right. Excellent. Lots of good information here on what organizations need to do to prepare for that transition. 
what is the one thing you want our listeners to take away from this conversation? You know, you mentioned the checklist, you mentioned a few other things. What do you really want them to take away? I would say that um, assess equipment based on risk. Um, if you can um, go through and, and identify which pieces of equipment are the most critical to the operation, um, and then spend more time on the more you know critical pieces of equipment. Um, spend more time up front, like we talked about, um, to make sure it's running efficiently and that you've got you know spares in case they're needed over the over the winter time. Um, and then understand that if a piece of equipment is not running efficiently, you may have already paid for a good PM if you would have done that up front, you know, in, in, in what you're wasting in, in, in energy. So with that, if we have dirty filters and we're running dirty filters, how much are we eroding the efficiency out of these units? Is there a ballpark number that we, that we use? I could say any, anywhere probably between 10 and 25%. Um, I've seen some where they're, been horribly neglected and they can't understand why they're not cooling the space and you open it up and it's a a block of ice you know that we're just not getting the airflow so yeah those kinds of things can have a pretty large impact on on efficiency and again those dirty coils um, if there's a uh, you know an outdoor unit that's kind of near road you know or where you've got you know the, the the dust and the cottonwood and things like that you know, not cleaning those coils can have a fairly large impact on, uh, on efficiency. So, All right. Excellent. Now, Mark, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us today about ensuring this smooth transition. But where can people find out more about you, um, Modine, all these other great things that you guys have? Um, ModineHVAC.com is a good resource. Um, on that website, we've got a lot of uh, information and articles uh, for contractors and building owners, uh, engineers, um, including that, that PM checklist that we recommend. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so there would be a couple good uh, good resources for additional information. All right. Excellent. Now, Do you have any favorite resources that you want to share with our listeners? You know, some people have books, podcasts, videos. Do you have anything you want to share? Yeah, there's some really good um, maintenance ideas and checklists on HVAC contractor websites. So if you go out there and you just start to, you know, Google and and do some Internet searches, some of the contractors have, you know, outstanding lists. Um, HVAC uh, manufacturer websites have some good, you know, information for, um, you know, building owners and contractors. Um, EnergyStar.gov is a good resource, and now they have some checklists as well. Um, and recently, I think I've even seen something in uh, in Forbes. All right, excellent. So these are all great resources. I'll make sure to link back to all of those for our listeners. Mark, I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about. HVAC, the transition from between seasons and how we make that smoother, easier, less stressful for everyone. Uh, Thank you so much. James, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. 
We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.